Thursday's a great day, correct? Most of us, you don't have to go to work. Men, we get to watch football. It's okay to eat too much on this day. It's a great day, isn't it? And, and Thanksgiving has a great tradition in our country. In fact, the first Thanksgiving celebration happened 391 years ago. Can you imagine that? 391 years ago, 1621, Governor William Bradford called together the pilgrims, and he called together uh, a group of the local Indians to celebrate for three days. They, they played games, they ate, and they prayed, and they thanked God for his blessings on their life. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln declared that we need to have one day a year as a national holiday to thank God. Wasn't that a great thing? And then in the last 70 years, the United States Congress has done at least one thing right. They set aside the fourth Thursday of every November to be Thanksgiving. So that's what we celebrate this Thursday. And Thanksgiving is a great holiday in a lot of ways. But one thing for sure, it is a biblical Holiday. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 this morning if you have your Bibles. Luke 17. And it's a, it's a great and a sad story about thankfulness and the lack of thankfulness. And let me begin with this this morning. Jesus and other people have been good to you. I hope I can convince you that in the next two or three hours as the sermon goes on. But Jesus Christ and other people have been good to you. They, they, they really have. And, but before we dive into that, I want to acknowledge this because I think this is very important. I know this morning you have problems too. I know you have issues. In verses 11 through 13, it says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, I want to give you a little geographical uh, picture of this. Palestine in Jesus' day, where he lived, was divided into three sections. Galilee as this northern section up here, okay? Uh, And then Samaria... You see Samaria, there's Galilee, there's Samaria. That's the center section. And then Judea here is the bottom part of the area. Jesus was in Galilee. He's traveling somewhere along the border in here, either uh, somewhere around in there. And he's headed to Jerusalem, which is right there. We know he's ultimately going to Jerusalem to die and to arise. We call that Super Bowl Sunday for the Christianity, uh, the the great thing. And while he's traveling with his men... uh, They apparently are near some Samaritan village. That'll be significant more in a moment. And ten men come up to him and they holler out, uh, Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us. And they have leprosy. Now, leprosy, uh, a lot of times today, is called Hansen's disease. I don't know if you know much about leprosy, but leprosy is a bad thing. But 2,000 years ago, it was an absolutely horrible thing. In fact, if you were diagnosed with leprosy 2,000 years ago, it was a death sentence. It was a spiritual death sentence, and it was a social death sentence. Your skin began to rot away, okay? That's a bad, bad enough, right? It begins to affect your nerves, a lot of times it would move and affect the eyes. I saw pictures this week of people with leprosy who literally did not have eyes where their eye sockets were. It was, it was horrible. And then it begins to affect your upper respiratory system. 
Jesus' day, they thought it was highly contagious. Although we know it's not highly contagious today, they thought that it was. Today, there's a cure for it. Then, there was no cure for it at all. If you got leprosy, you were, you were immediately, listen to this, you were immediately removed from your family. Can you imagine that? You were, you were not allowed to come back into the synagogue or church. You could not come here anymore you're, or the temple. You're, you're gone from that. You're removed from society. You've got to go find other people just like you to form your own little community. They call them leper colonies. They've even called those that in the 20 and 21st century. They were to keep their hair unkept. They were to keep their clothes torn. And the law said that they were to holler if you got within 100 paces, which was 50 yards from them, they were to holler unclean so you would not come in contact with them. How many of you agree that would be a really rotten disease to have 2,000 years ago? wouldn't be great today, but it would be bad, horrible then. You know, this morning, I don't know if any of you have Hansen disease, but here's what I do know. You have problems. Some of you are trying to get over the past. Some of you are looking at the future, and you don't know what it holds. Some of you look at a checkbook and a banking account, and it's not looking pretty. Some of you got health issues that aren't getting better. Or somebody you love has a health issue, which may be a worse situation. And it doesn't look like it's getting better. The truth is that in this room this morning, as well as in the world Jesus lived in 2,000 years ago, people have had and do have problems. But let me tell you, in the midst of all that, I want to tell you something great. You've been blessed. You really have. In verse 14, listen to what it says for these guys. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, that doesn't make sense to us. But in the Old Testament, remember, nine of these guys are Jewish guys. The tenth one was a Samaritan. He probably was familiar with the Old Testament. And in Leviticus 13 and 14, it was the priest who determined whether you had leprosy. It was the priest who looked at you and determined whether you had been healed. And so when Jesus said to them, go show yourself to the priest, they immediately, there had to be a bell going off and going, oh my goodness, he's saying we're fixing to be healed. And I guarantee you, they started sprinting to the nearest synagogue. And, And this is a different sermon for another day, but look what it says in verse 14. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, here's a lot of our problems this morning. We're waiting on God to bless us, and then we're going to obey Him. We're waiting on God to show Himself to us, and then we'll do the right things. That's not how God works. God works in reverse of that. In other words, God wants you to step out in faith, and then He shows the blessing. You're not going to get to heaven someday because you eventually get to see Jesus and touch Jesus and go, now I believe. You're going to get to heaven because you believe now, and then you will see. That's true in life altogether. Many of us are waiting on God to act, and God's waiting on us to act. They were healed as they went, not as they stood and said, I think I'm healed. As they went to the synagogue. These guys had a walking death sentence, folks. Their fingers, their toes were going to begin to become deformed. They were going to stop being able to breathe. They were going to lose their voices. They were going to die. They could never be around family and friends again. They could never cuddle up with a girlfriend or boyfriend, a husband or wife, even though that does slow down at marriage. We cuddle occasionally, correct? Y'all laugh or I'll put something ugly on you in a minute. 
And all of a sudden, Jesus says you're healed. And instantaneously, their lives are changed. Wow. You know, I, I know in some of our cases this morning, how we wish God would step in today and point at us and that would be better. That may or may not happen in your situation, but I can tell you this. If you'll stop to think, you realize you've got a lot of blessings in your life. I'm not minimizing your hurts. I'm not minimizing your problems. I'm not minimizing your sadness and your disappointments. But I'm telling you, if you'll really use your head, you'll realize you've got a lot to be thankful for. Most of you remember who Christopher Reeve was. Christopher Reeve was a great actor. Big, athletic guy, good-looking, much like your pastor. And he, uh, and he uh, that wasn't meant to be funny. Uh, Christopher, Reeve was, Christopher Reeve loved to ride horses, and in the mid-'90s he was riding a horse, and a terrible, terrible thing happened. He took a bad spill. He broke his neck at the absolute worst place at the top of his spine where the skull and the spine come together. Uh, he died in 2004. He spent the next eight or nine years, however long that period was, completely paralyzed from the neck down. But two years before he died, he began to... Now, now, now listen carefully. He, he, he never walked again. He never hugged anybody. He never caught a ball or ran again. But he was able to start wiggling a finger, wiggling a toe. And he, he began, before he died, the last couple of years, he was able to feel certain parts of his area, feel touch. And Christopher Lee, Reeve, paralyzed from the neck down, I, I never forget how... how humiliating this was to me to read this to realize how what an ingrate I am he said it's so wonderful just to be able to feel your kids and your spouse touch you to feel their touch to feel their hug yeah you know if a person paralyzed from the neck down is praising God for what they have again I don't mean to minimize your hurts or pains at all this morning but, you know, you may feel like being in church today is a, is, is a prison sentence. It's really not. You know, there's people in the ICU today that would give anything to be here this morning. There's people in nursing homes today that will never get out again among people that would give anything to be here. Maybe your eyesight's bad, but you can probably hear what I'm saying. Many of you have great eyesight. You have the ability to come tonight and, and eat all you want and taste it, and it'll be good. You have the ability to, to touch that person next to you. Young people don't be doing this. And, and, and feel their, their warmth and their love. I don't minimize your problems, but I want to remind you today, do, you, do we realize truly how blessed we are? Guys, listen to this. The pilgrims, the one who kicked off Thanksgiving in America, in the first year, half of their group died. Half of their group died. There's, some people believe they made seven times more graves than they did huts. Seven times more graves than huts. And they were the ones that celebrated Thanksgiving. Whatever your problems are today, and they may be real, you got a lot to be thankful for. Now, here's the next question. How thankful are you? Really and truly, how grateful are you this morning? Rhetorical question, but dig deep and think. Let's start with God. How thankful are you to God? 
How much time have you spent this week thanking God for how He's blessed you? How thankful are you for others? Everybody in this room has been blessed by other people. Somebody helped you become a Christian. Somebody has helped you grow up in Christ. Someone's been a shoulder to cry on. Someone has loved you. Someone changed your diaper. I look at my kids and go, they're going to change mine someday. It's part of the circle of life, isn't it? Isn't it beautiful? How, but how thankful are we to other people? Really and truly. And I want to give you a thought that's not pretty, but it's absolutely 100% correct. Most of us are not very grateful. Most of us aren't. And the sad thing is, is it's probably been this way since Adam and Eve, but in our story, verse 15 through 18, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, now please stay with me. You notice Jesus didn't say, well, I healed ten, only one come back. But that's okay. Well, I'm God. I know their hearts. They'll thank me later. No problem. No, the Bible often describes God in what theologians call anthropomorphic terms. In other words, that God has qualities like us. And we see that Jesus has joy. Jesus has tears. He grieves. And what you see here is shock and sadness. Jesus doesn't say, it's okay that the other nine didn't come back to thank me. Jesus said, why in the world didn't they come back and thank me? I just healed 10 people of an incurable disease that was absolutely ruining and destroying their lives, and only one came back, and it says, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Now, that doesn't mean much to us. It meant a whole lot 2,000 years ago. The Jews, which Jesus was a Jew, and the Samaritans had hated each other literally for over 700 years, twice as long as America has been a country. Here's a little bit of the history. In, in seven. 22 B.C., 720 years before Christ, the country of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the, the Assyrians came into that northern kingdom and they conquered it and they took out a lot of the Jewish people and they brought in their people and they intermixed them and intermingled them. And so over the years, the Jewish people began to despise that group called the Samaritans. They said, they're not full-blood Jews. They're half-bred Jews. Their religion is mongrel. And they hated the Samaritans. It's absolutely terrible and wrong, but that's the way it was. And the Samaritans hated them back. And Jesus said, nine Jewish men were healed, and one Samaritan, but the only one who comes back to thank me happens to be the Samaritan. You know, someone said, the only place you consistently find gratitude is in the dictionary." Funny, but sad. How thankful are you to God? No minimizing your problems, no minimizing your pain, but God's blessed you. Think of all the things God has protected you from. 
Oh, a million things may have gone wrong, but think of all the things that have gone right. And if you're like me, and most of you are like me, we will spend days and hours and weeks praying for something, and then God gives it to us, and we spend about two minutes thanking Him, don't we? How grateful are you to God? What about other people? How grateful are you and me to other people? How grateful are you to your parents for what they've done for you? How grateful are you to your kids for who they are and what they're becoming? What about your coaches and your teachers who make a difference in your life and, you, and who bless you? Mom and Dad, you've got coaches and teachers who love your kids and who protect them and take care of them. Most of the time we just criticize them. We don't thank them and God for them. You've got policemen who care for you. We live in a great city. We've got great schools. We've got a you don't like this church? There's 842 more in Ruston. <laughs> we got a lot more flavors than Baskin and Robin. But most of us are flat out ungrateful people. That's the truth. I read a story several years ago. A, a lady in a community got permission from the city to plant some trees in a park in memory of some family and friends who had lost family members. So she bought 23 trees on her own, and she goes to this park, and she plants 23 trees for these family members in memory and honor of people they've lost with a little bit uh, plaque or something on there to recognize who it's from. Two people thanked her. One lady actually called her on the phone and said, you planted our tree too close to the road. Please move it. Okay, is your seatbelt on? Because I want to say something hard to you for a second. Here's the problem. I, I don't know how it is in China. I've never lived in China. I don't know how it is in Russia. I've never lived in Russia, but I've lived in America my whole life. Here's our problem. We're spoiled. We are entitled people, we think. We have a sense of entitlement that the world owes us, the government owes us, the schools, the church. And instead of being appreciative and thankful, we turn on the very things that are there to help us. I can say it because I'm one of you. We, we live in a spoiled, entitled society. And when that happens, man, you forget God and you forget others and what they have done for us. We keep a long list of how people have let us down and hurt us. We keep a real short list of how people have blessed us. In Romans chapter 1, there is a, just go home and read Romans 1. It is a punch in the head. I mean, it hits some things our society is dealing with straightforward. It hits sexual sin, it hits homosexuality, it hits all kinds of things, and it caught, man, it, it's tough. It's tough. But in the middle of that, I want you to read this verse, Romans 1 21. Although they knew God, they knew who God was. They didn't glorify Him as God, nor did they give thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Folks, when you become spoiled and entitled and you become an ingrate, the Bible says our hearts become foolish and they become darkened. I want to challenge you this morning to embrace a life of gratitude. 
Embrace a life of gratitude. Here's two things you have to do to be a grateful person. One, you have to recognize your blessings. And two, you have to express that recognition. Do not live under the lie, they know my heart. Don't live under the lie, God knows my heart. God knows your heart, but God wants you to shout it out who you belong to and your praise and your thanksgiving. Thankful people do two things that other people for some reason don't do. They recognize and recall how they've been blessed, and then they spend a lot of their life expressing that thanks. Here's the first thing. Let's consistently and even radically be thankful to Jesus. I want to challenge you to consistently and even in radical ways be thankful. Verse 15, one of them came back. When he saw he was healed, praising God in a loud voice. Now, folks, here's two things. One, some people say leprosy affected your ability to speak and that lepers spoke with a a hoarseness. So this guy's been healed. When the group called out in a loud voice earlier, it was probably the group. And now this one guy, it says in an exceeding loud voice, he calls out and he's praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And this was the Samaritan. Literally to throw himself means that he came and he dropped at Jesus' feet. 2,000 years ago and today, the greatest act of humility that you could do would be to walk up to somebody and fall down at their feet, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be pretty radical. And Jesus said, oh, no, please get up. You're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing the disciples. We don't do it that way here. Jesus was honored. Martin Luther was a great Bible scholar in the 1500s. Many, many moons ago, Martin Luther said, you know, there's only a few things we can give God. We can give him our life. We should give him our money. We should give him our time. Bottom line is, God can take your time. God can take your money, can't he? You know, there's only two things, really, that God can't forcefully take from you. That's your praise and your thanks. I want to challenge you. Set aside time. I hope you're setting aside time to pray, to spend time with God daily. And in that, will you spend one, two, three minutes a day thanking God? Some of you go, what in the world would I thank God about for three minutes? Thank Him for every finger and toe you have. Thank Him for your teeth. Thank Him that you can walk, that you can talk. Thank Him that you're a Christian and that you're going to heaven someday. He will never get tired of that. And you know what it says? He came and he fell at Jesus' feet. You know what? It would be okay. You're not trying to make a show or you're not trying to draw attention to yourself, but it would be okay this morning if you wanted to come and bow down on your knee or your face and spend some time thanking God. That's okay. By the way, when you and I do this, we please God. Here's the second challenge. Really be thankful to others. Young people, do you want to do you want to possibly send your parent to the hospital with nervous symptoms? Start consistently thanking them. It'll freak them out. Parents, you want to make your kid have some problems too? Start thanking them for how they bless your life. Son, you're dumb, but I'm thankful that you work hard. My parents said that to me often. <laughs> Priscilla Taylor is a, is a doctor. When she was in med school, she went to Africa on a mission trip. While she was there, she treated a man who was having chest pains. A few days later, 
he came back to thank her. She was, she was honored. Most people don't thank their doctors. By the way, we're paying them. Why should we thank them? Well, you should thank them for how they bless you and help you. What Priscilla found out later is that man had walked 21.7 miles. He had walked almost 22 miles one way to come back and say thank you. I'm not, I am not encouraging you today to leave here and walk one mile to thank anybody. Go old school and pick up the phone. Y'all know what a phone is, right? The first service, I said, send them a text. They were like, I said, your kids and grandkids will show you how to do that. Send somebody a text. Email them. Go old school again and handwrite them a thank you note. My handwriting is so bad, I have to type it, but type it. Stop somebody in the hall today or stop them after church and specifically tell them, thank you for how you have blessed me, helped me, benefited me. Thank people for how they've blessed your life. I guarantee you, once they wake up, they may faint, but once they wake up, they will, they will float out of here. They will be so honored. And here's the last thing. Man, when you and I do this, it blesses us. It, it blesses us. Study after study after study says happy people have a few characteristics that are in common. One is this, they're grateful. It is impossible to be a negative ingrate and be happy. It is impossible. But when you become thankful for the schools and thankful for your family and thankful for your community and thankful for your church and thankful for all the people who bless you in your world, your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, it will amaze you all that God has done and it will bless you. I want to read to you a little something about the one a lot of people think is our greatest president ever, Abraham Lincoln. Kind of a father of thanksgiving, too. Listen to a little bit of his story. When he was seven years of age, his family was forced out of their home, and at seven years of age, Abraham Lincoln went to work. His mother died when he was nine. He lost a job as a store clerk when he was 20. He wanted to go to law school, but he didn't have the education. At 23, he went into debt to go into a business with a, a, a friend. Three years later, the business partner died, and Lincoln was stuck with that paying off that debt for many, many more years. When he was 28, he had dated a girl for four years, and he asked her to marry him, and she said no. He ran for Congress. He got beat. He ran for Congress again. He got beat. The third time at age 37, he ran for Congress, and he won. He ran for re-election two years later, and he got beat. His son died at age four. When he was 45, he ran for the Senate, and he lost. At 47, he ran for the vice presidency, and he lost. Finally, at 51, he was elected president of the United States, and the Civil War breaks out. So much for an easy four years in the big house. Historians say that his marriage was not good and that he suffered from depression a lot of his life and he had another son die while he was in the White House. Yet in the middle of the Civil War in 1863, it was that man who said, let's set aside a day to thank God. Maybe that's why he's our greatest president. You see, this morning, you and me should be thankful people. And we can be thankful people. Just a question of will we be. Let's pray.
If you're a Christian, several challenges. One involves repentance. It involves saying, you know what? I have not been grateful, and I need to repent. And I need to choose a path of gratitude the rest of my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. I invite you right where you're seated to pray with me and just say, Jesus, I want to repent today. I want to turn from from my sins, Jesus, and I want to turn to you. I believe you're God's son who died for me. And Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand, and when we stand, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and let Justin sing. And I want to challenge you to respond to what God said to you this morning. Maybe you just asked Christ in your heart or you're ready to do that. Step out. Come talk to a minister. Let us help you with that. Maybe you're here today and today's the day you're ready to join our church family. Ease on down the aisle. One way you can join is coming. We'll help you do that. And the rest of us who are Christians here, I challenge you where you're standing or at the altar. First of all, let's repent. Let's say to God, God, we're sorry for living with an entitled, spoiled attitude. God, today I want to repent of that. And I want to challenge you too, Christian, to choose a life of gratitude. Maybe you want to come in a moment and get on your knees and thank God. Maybe you want to come and pray with a minister. I want to give you permission, something we don't normally do, but I want to give you permission today when we stand and we've got our heads bowed and we're praying, if you want to slip out and go to somebody else, wherever they are in the sanctuary, and hug them and say, thank you for how you blessed my life. You got the permission, not that you need it for me, but I'm, I'm opening that up for you to do it. Let's stand and let's respond to God. Just bow your heads and you respond to what God's saying to you this morning.